One, two, three, four. I take the same approach. I think they need to be personal enough to make me a little uncomfortable or they're probably not real enough. If they can't, if my goal is to make music that when you hear it, it allows you some access into the parts of yourself that scare you a little bit, but in getting closer to those parts of you, they scare you a little less. I need to be accessing the parts of myself that scare me a little bit, or else I, I lose. I don't, I don't achieve my goal. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Well Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. If you're new here, this podcast is for confused Gen Zs, millennials unsure what they want to do post-grad or what they want to do with their career so i'm from vancouver canada and i started this podcast right after i graduated from business school so that was almost two years ago and i was just so lost in what i wanted to do i was in marketing and social media i'm like is this something that i really want to do and even to this day i still question things but i interview people from completely different backgrounds to hear more about their career journey so i interview musicians sex therapists pro surfers entrepreneurs, just kind of a range of different people, just so I can provide my audience a variety of guests. So I hope everyone is having a good week so far, whether you're listening to this on the Monday morning or a Sunday night, I hope you had at least one good day of the week. So today's guest is the one and only JP Sachs. This was so exciting for me. JP is such a talented musician. I'm sure you've heard some of his songs, such as A Little Bit Yours, Three Minutes, and If the World Was Ending with Julia Michaels. He also has a new album coming out called Dangerous Levels of Introspection. It should be out shortly after this episode is released. Um, It'll be out June 25th. He's also going on tour this fall, which I'm so excited for. So he's going over in Europe, Canada, um, and a few places in the States. He's going to Vancouver October 9th, so I know for sure I'm going to be there. So let me know if anyone else plans on going. This episode was so fun. I don't know very much about the music industry. I'm not a musician or a songwriter, but JP really just opened up about, you know, his childhood, how he got into it, um, writing tips and advice that he has for aspiring songwriters. He also goes over his songwriting process and how he collaborates with other artists like his girlfriend Julia Michaels and Lennon Stella. We then end the episode with some fun rapid fire questions such as his favorite date spot, uh, the three most influential people in his life, and his biggest music inspiration. I love this interview so I hope you enjoy and let's get straight into it. I'm joined by the incredibly talented J.P. Sachs. He is an amazing songwriter, producer, musician, Grammy Award nominee from Toronto. So I love supporting my fellow Canadians and I'm just so excited to learn from you, J.P. I am not a musician by any means. I can maybe play the flute, maybe the triangle, so not much background. So I'm so excited to learn from you. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the kind intro. Although, as a Canadian podcast, you should really introduce me as a Juno nominee, not a Grammy nominee. Because that is true. That Juno is true. Is more illustrious. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, there's more Juno nominations as there was Grammy nominations. That is very true. Um, yeah. So why don't we just kind of get started? Like, I'm interested in knowing how you got interested in becoming a musician. I know your grandfather was, you know, very much involved in it. So um, when was kind of the moment where you realized, oh, shit, I can I can sing or I could do this for a living? Well, the what you just mentioned 
I don't I don't think I've told the story on the podcast, so I'm gonna lean into it. I do remember the moment I realized I could sing. When I wanted to be a musician, when I wanted to be a songwriter, those those answers are a little bit more intangible. I think they happened over a period of time, but I do. And I was in <laughs> I was in my bathroom with a Walkman listening to um Where is the Love, the Black Eyed Peas song with Justin Timberlake. And I was singing along with Justin Timberlake's part. And then the song ended and I was just singing along to myself. And I was like, wait a second, I think I might sound good. <laughs> so I ran downstairs to my parents and godparents who were who were over and said, hey, I think I can sing. And they're like, okay. And then I sang them, people killing, people dying. And they're like, yeah, you sound pretty good. And, and that was the moment I realized I, I could sing. I think it was oh probably gosh. 11 or that's amazing. I think I probably had a moment like that too. And my parents were like, this is great. And then later on, I realized I cannot sing for my, the life of me. Why, why business school? Why business school? I mean, for me, out of um, uh, high school, my whole life was dance. So like ballet, jazz, tap. Literally, cool. that's all I did for my entire life. Um, and I thought that I was going to maybe be a dancer. But when it came to college, my parents were like, you should probably get an education. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And business was the only general thing. I knew it wasn't going to like I knew I wasn't going to be like a doctor, an engineer, anything. So I was like, business it is. And I ended up just really loving it. So that's why. Amazing. Yeah. So what about, you know, you know, your, you know, your family, your grandfather's right, really involved in music. Did you ever feel any pressure um to be you know a musician because I know for me my mom was in law and I thought I had to be a lawyer so I did bell sat last year even though she never was like you need to be a lawyer I just kind of felt a little bit of family like pressure so did you ever feel that no um because my grandfather was a classical musician yes which is such a dramatically different just a different paradigm a different ethos of what it means to be a musician whereas you know he developed this mastery of the cello where and it, it's not composing you know he's playing the same pieces that every other cellist in the world has played for hundreds of years except he does it with such a commitment to nuance and detail that it's just it's unlike anything else and and I think there's something so spectacular about that process of you know you're playing the same piece but you can get deeper and deeper and deeper into the intricacies of the beauty of it you know he once said in an interview that uh I'm, I'm going to misquote him, but the, the general, the gist of it was the, the journey to be better at your instrument is just about sm finding smaller and smaller points of tension and release in the music, mm -hmm. which I love. I think that's, uh, I think that's true of most art. Um, like how, mm -hmm. how minute can your points of tension and release be? How, mm -hmm. how detailed the grasp of someone's human emotion can you have? Um, with your art so you know as someone who went into jazz and then pop music it was definitely a different world so I didn't feel much of a pressure to go into music if anything there was a little bit of a pressure not to go into music oh but interesting I do think my grandfather set the precedent that having a life as a professional musician wasn't going to completely fuck up my future mm -hmm. and and I'm grateful that there was that precedent because I think a lot of my colleagues had to cross that bridge some point in their career where they had to convince their families that they weren't ruining their own lives by pursuing music. I didn't really have to fight that battle. My parents, for the most part, were were really supportive. You know, they had their moments of trepidation, as most parents would have when their 19-year-old son says they're going to move to Los Angeles with no money. Um, but uh, no, I mean, my, my family... So my, my grandfather's the cellist, Yonor Starker is my mom's father, 
but my dad's side of the family, they're all academics. They're all like mm-hmm. scientists and lawyers and <laughs> so I, I I think I'm I'm I might be the only one of the cousins who didn't go to college. Very cool. I'm yeah. I'm very I'm very lucky to come from a family that that valued, you know, in intellect and intelligence in, in culture and in music, but it was definitely a it was an oddball decision to not go into higher education and to, you know, pursue a music career. Mm-hmm. And when you were getting into earlier on in career, did you ever think that, you know, this, maybe this isn't something for me or maybe I'm not cut out for it? Or did you kind of always just pave through? Well, in my teenage years, I did spend a little bit of time thinking I wasn't going to go into music, but I was going to go into activism. I wanted to work with NGOs, maybe work overseas. I was really excited with the possibility of doing like wartime journalism. Um, and actually my friend who I mentioned from Victoria earlier, uh, we were like starting this little charity in Toronto and it was, it was small, but it was empowering, you know, right after high school, I'd spent a a bit of time traveling uh, a few months traveling in Africa and it was just very wide eyed, idealistic teenager with an oversimplified view of what it meant to make a difference in the world and really trying Mm -hmm. to build that, you know, we, this like little, little project charity that we were starting in Toronto, we were, we were putting on these shows maybe twice a month and we'd raised quite a bit of money and we were getting like a few hundred people out to these benefit shows. And we, we got to a point where we were hitting a ceiling by not being able to get more established artists to be involved. And it was around that same time that I was given this opportunity to go to Los Angeles and, you know, it's not, and it it wasn't the thing that made my career, but it's the thing that got me to LA and I wasn't going to do it. And it was my buddy, Scott saying like, don't be a fucking dummy. Like you have an opportunity to be the artist that we're looking for. Like, mm-hmm. go, go, go figure it out. And, you know, all these years later, what that's like 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. you know, he's, uh, he's a defense attorney and I'm in a position in my career where I can make more of an impact than I could when I was 18. Wow. Amazing. Kind of full circle moment there. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. Um, so with, you know, your songwriting process, I'm so curious, you know, like how does it, how does it really work? Like, how does it start with like the idea that comes to fruition for it to get released? Does it take months? I know with different songs, it must differ, but like, what is really your songwriting process? Do you think of like one lyric, write it down in like a note app, and then it just kind of builds up? Yeah. So to me, songwriting is all about conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm writing by myself and for myself, it's a conversation with myself. So I'm doing a lot of journaling. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got uh, about writing was from a, a poetry um, poetry professor uh, who said that being a writer doesn't mean find, finding your speaking voice, it means finding your listening voice, uh, mm-hmm. and that your truest form of writing is your listening voice, that internal dialogue. So to me, when I'm writing for myself and by myself, it's really just about connecting to my internal dialogue, trying to make the songs feel like passing thoughts in my head, and then actualizing them a bit more. If I'm writing with somebody else, it's a conversation with them. You know, I will, in a session writing for another artist, try and get them talking for hours. You know, we'll talk for three hours. And at the end of that three hours, I'm like, all right, this thing you said 90 minutes ago sounds like a pre-chorus lyric. And this thing you said at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the conversation, maybe the chorus, and that thing you just said, that feels like it could work itself into the verse. Let's talk more about this. Tell me more about this. And it just, you know, it, it allows the song to really feel like a human voice, not like, you know, not like someone writing to try and show you what they are trying to say. 
that's a complicated way of saying that. Okay, uh, there's there's going to a session, saying everything that's going in your life, and then there's saying, okay, how do we make that a song? To me, that's not the process. That's like, mm -hmm. eh, miss. It's, no, no, it's not, how do we make what you just said into the song? It's what you just said is the song. How do we make, okay. you know, it's not how do we yeah. interpret what you're saying and feeling and yes. make it lyric-y. It's, mm -hmm. let's take exactly what you have said and make it the song. Got it. Yeah. So yeah, you've collaborated with so many, um, you know, amazing artists and like, is, is that kind of like, um, kind of like a first date? Like, do you get to know the person beforehand, um, you know, to get to like, see if like you guys are compatible and starts like a songwriting or do you just like jump into it? It's like a first date with a, uh, with an incentivization of transparency. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not trying to be mysterious or impressive. It's yes. You're just, you meet someone and you're like, all right, I'm gonna tell you everything about myself now. At, at least that's how it goes when it is a good session. Mm -hmm. If it, to, at least the way I write and not everyone writes like this and there's a lot of ways to win in music and there's a lot of ways to write a good song. And I do not claim to have the only process that works. If anything, I have a reasonably unique process that works for me, but I'm not suggesting this is what anyone else should necessarily do. But for me to write with someone else, well, there just has to be no pretense. It just has to be like super safe space where you just say whatever the hell you want and trust that it doesn't leave the room unless it's in the song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of your songs are very, like for your personal songs are very mm -hmm. honest and vulnerable. They're about relationships or you know exes, whatever, things that you've gone through in life. When you release a song, do you ever feel maybe nervous that you know your song is so personal or maybe if it's about like a specific person like what kind of goes through your mind when you first release that that's a good question um i have a, a couple thoughts on that one yes it is a little it is a little nerve-wracking and it is a little emotionally complicated but i do think every profession comes with its hazards you know there's always some element of risk in any profession and if the element of risk in my career is you know, some the emotional tumultuousness that goes with putting <laughs> putting my uh, journal entries uh, out for the public eye. And that's what I have to do in return for having an honest conversation with people that I'm all, all over the world that I'm grateful to have this connection with. And like, I'll take it. That's par for the course. And then also, I watched this interview with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge once. I talk about this interview a lot because it, it really had an impact on my album where she said, again, I'm going to misquote her, but the gist of it is, she knows if a scene is right, if it scares her a little bit. She said, she said like, I don't know exactly how she said it, but talking about Fleabag saying that if the scene scared her when she was writing it, that's how she knew it had to be in there. And I watched that interview and there's a song on the album that is on the album because of that interview. Uh, and I just, I, 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 uh, I take the same approach, I think they need to be personal enough to make me a little uncomfortable or they're probably not real enough. Like mm. if, if they can't, if my goal is to make music that when you hear it, it allows you some access into the parts of yourself that scare you a little bit, but in getting closer to those parts of you, they scare you a little less. I need to be accessing the parts of myself that scare me a little bit or else I, I lose. I don't, I don't achieve my goal with these songs. Wow. Yeah. Really interesting. And when you, when you write songs, is it based on like certain moments of your life? Like, what do you know what to write next? Do you have like some sort of, or it just kind of comes to you? No idea. No idea. It's like, it, it would be less sincere <laughs> if I like 
planned out what I wanted to say. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's as spontaneous as any other part of the, mm-hmm. any other part of our life that happens in a, a pure way. You know, mm-hmm. a great conversation, you don't know what you're going to say an hour into it. And that's what makes it a great conversation. And I think the same, it's the same with songs. You, know, you mm-hmm. just kind of dig into yourself, dig into a relationship, dig into a conversation. And it's, it's often the thing that you say that surprises you a little bit that actually makes the best part of the song. Nice. Yeah. So obviously you get your emotions out with songwriting and stuff. And over the years in your personal life, do you find it easier to talk about how you're feeling or, you know, how do you kind of keep your mental health in check apart from just like writing how you're feeling into songs? Um, I would say outside of music, I'm a reasonably private person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds counterintuitive, but I do think that having a, having a really defined sense of what what you share and what you don't. At the end of the day, I think that line for me is what is mine to share is my own feelings. Like those are that's what I own. That's what I have the right to share. But you know, when it comes to my relationships, when it comes to details about my life, details about other people in my life, all of those things are pretty off limits in the songwriting process to me. Mm-hmm. That, that makes a pretty clear definition of, of you know, what, what makes the art in, in what is just for my own life. Very cool. Yeah. And um, I want to talk about like songs when you think, I, don't, I assume when you, when you write songs, you don't know when they'll be hits or when they'll be success, like successful or really successful, such as like, if the world was ending such a beautiful song like as you know it always makes me want to cry like i want to play it um at my wedding it's so beautiful like so when you release that song and everyone you got that reaction because it was so fitting with you know 2020 i know it was released in 2019 but in 2020 it kind of came all together so what were you and like julia thinking when everyone's reactions were you know so positive about it well when we wrote the song we really loved it yeah you know it made us feel things i wanted to listen to it over and over again and my only barometer for other people's taste is my own taste. If I'm trying to make something other people like, I fuck it up. If, mm-hmm. I, if I try to make something that I like, I just have to trust that other people are going to agree with me. Like, I don't have super obscure taste. You know, my favorite songs are Coldplay songs and Stevie Wonder songs and Beatles songs and Carol King songs and, you know, it's Beyonce songs. It's like, it's not, you know, real left field avant-garde music that I am the biggest fan of. So I have to trust that if I can make myself a fan of my own songs, other people are going to feel it also. And it has to be as simple as that. Like writing a song is just making like a thousand little micro decisions in mm-hmm. five hours based on your own taste, based on like what you react to in your body. It's like a mm-hmm. really, it's like a meditative experience in that way. Cause you really have to be connected to both your, musical agency your understanding of songwriting form and you know that intangible feeling in your chest when you either hear something musically or hear something lyrically that makes you feel something and just constantly just chasing that so back to your question with if the world was ending it made me feel a ton so i Mm -hmm. i trusted that and and i think that's been the case for any of my songs that have found more of an audience like i the ones that have been fan favorites are up to this point have been all of my favorites mm-hmm. so i'm not trying because you can tell like the passion and love that obviously you love all the songs that you write but you know like some of your favorites like, it comes through through your singing that we can tell yeah thank you hi it's me just popping in and saying if you like this episode please subscribe on whatever listening platform you listen to leave a review on apple podcast and follow me over on instagram at well now with podcast
back to the interview. Um, so yeah, following up on, I guess, when you ever feel stuck about writing or lack of inspiration, what do you do? How do you kind of clear your mind? I think writer's block is an ego thing. Is it? Um, I have offended some people by saying this, <laughs> but I maintain that writer's block is just the fear of writing something bad or the fear of writing something that isn't as good as you think you are. So with that, I think there are a couple of things that help with writer's block. Are you still there? You look kind of frozen. No, you're still there. I'm here. There's uh, letting yourself write shit that you think is bad. I think, you know, if you, if you have a writer's block, like write 10 bad songs and one section of those 10 bad songs will not be bad. And then we'll spark your next good ideas. I think bad ideas are the soil in which good ideas grow. So that's my first thought. And then with kind of letting yourself write a bad song or write something bad, which I think is, is my cure for writer's block. The reason I say it's an ego thing is because it's really easy to get caught up in thinking, you know, you get out of a session and you're like, oh, that song is bad. Therefore, I'm a bad songwriter. And I think being able to separate that song is good from I am good in that, or that song is bad from I am bad, like separating your value as an artist from the value of each individual piece of art that you create, super necessary for my mental health as a, you know, as a creator of music. Um, so yeah, when I get stuck, I just try and make things and, and remove the part of me that needs it to be perfect. And then just trust that I don't need to show it to anyone until I think it's right. And, and just, you know, let it happen, let it be wrong and, and trust myself enough that I'm not going to leave it that way. Mm -hmm. And you have a new album or EP coming out soon, June 25th. So what, when did you write this, um, these, these last few songs? I know that is it usually like a year previous or like, when did you kind of come together with this album? So uh, the album was written over the last five years. Five, six, oh, wow. Five, yeah. Five or six years of okay. writing on this album. Um, it, it's funny. I, I, I didn't, I think I thought about this a little bit, but I, I didn't fully recognize until we got into the release process that the two singles um, like that, which came out a couple weeks ago, and then the yes. next single, which is called More of You, um, and then the album, the single on the album is Dangerous Levels of Introspection, the name of the album. But the first two singles coming up before the album are the only love songs on the album. Mm. Uh, the rest of the album was written before I met my current girlfriend. Okay. Uh, okay. Which I think is, <laughs> is a funny little misleading, misleading introduction because you're going to have mm -hmm. these fans hearing, hearing these first two songs being like, here we go. Album about love. And then yeah. they're going to get into it and be like, what the fuck happened? Like, are you guys okay? <laughs> are you guys still dating? Yeah. <laughs> I love like that. And I love the, the music That's video that um, you and Julia did together it was yeah it was so precious so cute like where did that idea come from we're like you know what let's just shoot it together let's just kind of capture the feeling of it um i'm supposed to be diplomatic about this but uh as a fellow canadian i'm gonna tell you the truth which is <laughs> that uh i i uh, i wasn't super happy with the music video that we had already shot super fair yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so the week the week of release i'm like fuck I don't want mm -hmm. to put out that video. What mm -hmm. do I do? And I was just in the shower stewing and then got out of the shower and did the shoot. I was like, baby, I have a weird idea. You have two hours tomorrow morning to just film mm -hmm. me singing the song, please. She's like, all right. 
So she just filmed me the next morning on her iPhone and I edited it together with all my friends. You did it yourself. Oh, sick. <laughs> yeah, we, did it, we did it ourselves. It was, yeah. it was just, you know, our last minute solution to, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make a fancy video and it not feeling very sincere. Um, so we just took it back to basics and made a free it video. It felt very sincere. I felt like I was watching like, you know, like a couple of friends that have made like a video about their love or whatever. And I was just like sitting back and watching. That is exactly um, what it was. Yeah. That's that's crazy. And do you guys uh, collaborate a lot with like with your EP with some of the songs that you wrote more recently? Does Juliet kind of have a say in it if she's not, you know, part of the song? Uh, I mean, I definitely look to her opinion on, mm -hmm. you know, on anything because she's my favorite songwriter of all time. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, we've collaborated a bunch. It was it was special for us that we wrote the singles on our albums together. You know, the first two singles on her album, All Your Exes and Little Did I Know, were the two songs we wrote on her album. And then, you know, two singles on my album, If the World Is Ending, and Like That, were the songs that we did together. So mm -hmm. I think that's that's a pretty special way for us to collaborate as people who love each other. Yeah, I love that. So I'm just hoping to end the episode with a few rapid fire questions. We'll end on a light note if you're cool with that. Hit me, I'm ready. Okay. Um, if you like your life was a TV show and you had an intro song, what would it be? Like it'd be called JP Sachs and what would be your little jingle? Can I steal the Toy Story theme song? For sure. For right. sure. You yeah, I love that. Newman. <laughs> okay. Um, what is the biggest pinch me moment in your career that was like, holy shit, that this really happened? I interviewed an astronaut, a Canadian astronaut. Um, oh my gosh. David St. Jacques um he uh I yeah I interviewed him on my on my Instagram and it was fucking surreal and I asked him about the emotional implications of being in space wow that's so cool I think I heard another interview that you wanted to be an astronaut or you want like growing up you wanted to do something with space is that so true yeah I've always been a bit of a dork um so that yeah. was a nice full circle moment because you know I I I hope I was the first person to ask him about how to maintain a long distance relationship from space. <laughs> Love that. Okay. What is, if you could have any food right now, what would it be? Right now? I'm kind of hungry. So I don't know. At the moment, a breakfast burrito would be nice. Love it. Anywhere, anywhere in specific. That's like your ideal. Is it, do you guys have mucho in the States? Mucho burrito or Chipotle or like, where's your, no, no. no. dang. This is like Valley breakfast staples that are go-tos. I've never had a Chipotle burrito. Really? Oh my gosh. Okay. Not much of a Chipotle guy just because they put onions in everything and onions make me want to vomit. Really? I disagree. I, I love the onions. Give them, give them all to me. Um, what, who is your biggest music inspiration? Probably Paul McCartney. Nice. Um, what is your favorite date that you've been on? You don't have to explain in detail, maybe just like the location or whatever it was. My first date with Julia. Was that songwriting? No, uh, or well, no, that wasn't a date. So we met the day we wrote "If the World Was Ending." That was, yes. that was the day we met, and then the next day I took her out on a date. We went to the park. Oh my god, amazing! Um, and two more question. Um, two more questions. What's been some of like the favorite cities that you've been on um, on tour? Um, well, I've never been on a tour, but Barcelona is my favorite city I've ever been to. Um, mm -hmm. I am, I am very excited to tour South America. So there's two answers of places I have not been on tour. Mm -hmm. uh, but we start the European tour next year in Spain. Um, places I have been, I always love playing in Atlanta. I always love playing. I loved playing in Dublin. London's always exciting. Toronto because it's mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're doing your own tour like this year, which is so exciting because I know that you've kind of collaborated with other artists. One of them is Noah Kahan, which I saw live in Stockholm, but unfortunately you weren't um, touring with him then. 
but it was a really cool experience. Love that one. Yes. Um, and last question, who are the three most influential people in your life? You can group people together if you, if you want. My dad, Julia, and uh, the head of my record label. Love us. Well, thank you so much, JB, for chatting with me. I'm sorry with all the Zoom difficulties, but oh, I really no, appreciate no, you for being patient. No, my gosh, not at all. So thank you again. It was so lovely getting to chat with you. Yeah, so lovely to meet you. Thanks for taking the time. Of course, of course. Have a good rest of your day. And that was JP Sachs. I'll put all his links in the show notes. Of course, listen to his new album. One of my favorite songs right now of his is Like That. Um, So definitely check that out. And thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.